0: Welcome to the Child Subship Podcast. My name is Melanie, and I'm really glad that we're going to spend this time together today. The conversation that you're about to hear is one that we had with Robbie Gallaty. Robbie is an author, and he is the senior pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee. He has an incredible story of how God removed him from significant bondage to addiction to finding his identity in Christ and choosing to walk as a disciple of Jesus. Robbie and his team at Long Hollow know the importance of what it looks like to disciple the children in their community. Did you know that Awana provides Sunday morning curriculum to help equip your volunteer teams with biblically rich resources that help kids belong to a community of faith, believe in the work that Christ has done for them, and then become more like him? For more information, you can go to brightcurriculum.com. While we as children's ministry leaders use curriculums like Bright to help connect kids to the word of God and to a relationship with their heavenly father, we also know that it is only the Holy Spirit who can come in and work as a catalyst moving in the heart of the children that we serve. And that is exactly what Robbie is trusting in as he continues to shepherd and lead the people of Long Hollow Baptist Church. This conversation was originally recorded at the Child Discipleship Forum where Robbie was a speaker and his full talk can be accessed at childdiscipleship.com. But for now, here's that conversation with Robbie.
1: Welcome back, man guys. We it has been such an amazing couple of days and I am thrilled to be joined by Pastor Robbie Gallity. Robbie, it is so good to see you. I am regularly ministered to by your ministry. You and I were able to have a conversation on the Child Adoption Podcast recently. It was it was just so affirming on so many of the things that we've talked about over the past two days. Um, and I am just I am going to jump right in. So, first of all, thank you for being here.
2: Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. We had a great time on the podcast. we we
1: really did. And now you are going to be closing us out. So, I want to be careful because, guys, you have to, you have to, have to, have to hear what Robbie's going to share. It is going to, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm going to be out there listening. Um, and I, I can't wait. So, but I want to jump in because something that we didn't get a chance to talk on a ton last time you and I talked was about this ministry that you founded and you and your wife, Candy, um, run, reg, uh, is uh, replicate. Can you let
2: folks know a little bit about replicate and what the mission of that organization is? Yeah. So, um, my testimony. Uh, so I'm the product of discipleship, obviously, and that's why I'm so passionate about it. Um, my, my testimony is short, uh, just version, raised in a religious Roman Catholic home, knew about who Jesus was, didn't have a relationship with him. Uh, went to an all boys Catholic high school, went to a Southern Baptist college of all things to play basketball. And for those who don't know what that means, I was the target of every evangelism class on <laughs> campus, right? I mean, I was lost and people would share Christ with me. And sure. uh, But I heard the gospel, rejected it, but kept that kind of tucked away for seven years, got out of college, did, uh, I was an MMA fighter for a season, bouncer, bartender, long story short, I'm coming home from work, 18-wheeler rear-ends me, 65 miles an hour, I go to the doctor, they sent me home with Oxycontin, Valium, Soma, and Percocet, I'm 22 years old, never taken a drug in my life, and you know the story. Within three months, I'm addicted to pharmaceutical drugs, started running out of money, so I started selling street drugs, heroin, cocaine, 200 plus dollar dollar a day, heroin and cocaine addiction, three years, live without gas, electricity and water, stole from my own parents, $15,000, and I was at the end of the rope. And literally, I was in my room after my second rehab treatment, and I didn't know much about Jesus, but I knew enough to know that I was a sinner and I could not save myself. And I thought in my mind, I might as well give Jesus a try. I've tried everything else. Yeah. And I took, and that's what I tell people, this is the beautiful thing of the gospel. I took the little bit of Jesus I knew and I, or I took the little bit of faith I had and I put it in a little bit of Jesus that I knew and it was enough to be saved. I had this radical salvation experience, wandered for nine months until August of 2003 I'm at Edgewater Baptist Church, this fifteen year old looking blonde haired seminary student named David Platt because he he looked really young back then right, and uh you know david he's looking up at me and he comes up to me and he's like, "Hey, would you be interested?" to meet once a week to study the Bible, memorize scripture and pray. And that started a two year journey twice a week. We started at the, uh, the pizza place. We went to uh, Mr. Wang's Chinese place. And then eventually he encouraged me to go to seminary. David baptized me, stood in my wedding. I was his assistant. I traveled the country, traveled the world with David. And I tell that to say that I was passionate about discipleship because I was the product of it. Yeah, When I became a, a pastor, I just expected everyone to be making disciples. I expected that was just the normal part and parcel to the Christian life, and I realized people weren't. It was a number of reasons. One, people didn't know what a disciple was, and they also didn't know how to get there. They didn't have a journey, a process, a, a, a kind of a map to get there. And so that was the birth of Replicate. 2008, it's going through highs and lows, because uh, back then in 2008, as you guys know with Iwanas, when I would say discipleship, some people thought I had like a three headed dragon. Mm-hmm. I mean, they like discipleship. What are you anti evangelism? You don't <laughs> want to reach lost people, and I was like, no, no, that's how we reach lost people. Yeah. Our evangelistic strategy is disciple making, and yeah. so started there. Replicate now works with churches, and it's really the, the the motto of Replicate is it is a bunch of ministers and pastors helping other pastors and ministers make disciples. So that's really what we, we do.
1: Well, I love the language of you that you use in the. Of help folks get unstuck. I feel like so much of the conversation we're having at the forum, Kelly, is about helping people go from this place of, I'm stuck in this position. I'm stuck with these pain points that I feel. I'm stuck with these really complex problems, these things that maybe you feel I don't, I'm alone in this and finding ways to get unstuck. And one of the things that I love about Replicate is it's intentionally designed to bring people through community, bring people and connect them to those who have probably gone before them and connect them in a to show them they're they're not alone in whatever is the thing that they're facing. And I would imagine that what you've been able to see is you take people from, oh, they're not actually making disciples and you're able to actually see some of that fruit of that. Can you talk about how, someone maybe from the beginning of those co- cohort experiences, I think the language you use, towards the end, what that sort of journey may be like for some of those folks.
2: Yeah. So I give you two lines that we, we use a lot and Replicate. Number one is you can't address something you don't understand. And so if you don't understand, particularly where you are contextually, so uh, a line I like to lead with, if I was speaking on discipleship, i normally lead with this line. The greatest problem in your church and ministry, your student ministry, your kids' ministry, your discipleship ministry, is that you don't know what your greatest problem is, and that's the greatest problem. Blind spot. Yeah, it's a blind spot. And it's a blind spot in the ministry. And so what I would say is, if you get nothing else from this talk, get with your team, pray, seek the Lord, the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about this today, but the Holy Spirit's role is counselor. Okay? When was the last time you consulted with him? He's a really good consultant, by the way. <laughs> and sadly, we, we get influenced by social media and the world and every other program de Jura, But we don't really sit, sit with the Lord and say, what, what, is, what is it you want to do in me and through me in this context at my church and my ministry? So what Replicate we do is we realize people don't know the kind of disciples they want to make. Because we go out and say, man, we want to make disciples who make disciples of, of, of the world. That's a great line. But number one is, what kind of disciple are you trying to make? And number two, do you have a path to get there? And what we found is, it's a whole lot easier to give people a map than a menu. Mm. So a menu is, uh, you know, we, we we live in Nashville, and so there's uh, the Cheesecake Factory. I've heard sure. of Wallens, too, so I... There's Copeland's. there's oh. there's cheesecake factories. There are. There, there are. Okay, so you know yeah. about yeah. yeah. So the cheesecake factory. When I, I love the cheesecake factory. By the way, of course. But if you've ever gone there and you, you're an okay. American, of course <laughs> you yeah. love the cheesecake factory. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the thing about it is they have everything you can. Yes. I mean, you, you they give you a textbook. You, you know, so it's like a it's, it's like a spiral. Bal- <laughs> it's overwhelming. And so I don't know whether to start with pizza or the seafood pasta or to start with the cheesecake, which is I really really. Love use
1: the language start.
2: That's right, that's right, that's right. <laughs> I, so what happens is I, it's analysis paralysis, right? Uh-huh. Like I don't even know where to start. Sadly, that's how many churches, ministries are to kids and students. Yeah. It's like, come, we've got a buffet of everything. Just pick what you want and you just don't know where to start. And what we found is if you could give people a simple map, like here's the next step. Here's what you could, you can't do everything at home, but parents talk to your kids about the, see the pastor is doing the heavy lifting every Sunday for you. It's a very simple way to just say as a father, mother on the way home, what did Pastor Robbie teach today that applied to your life? You know, very simple things. And so that's more of a map than a menu.
3: I think that's helpful too, because I think one of the things as a ministry worker and also as a parent, I've got three kids as well too, so I understand the parent world. I think it is overwhelming and it also feels like... I can't do all of this. Like, there's no way I can succeed. There's no path for success in this because it all does feel overwhelming. But like you said, giving something small, it's like those little victories that encourage you to keep doing that and sticking with it and having that consistency. You
2: have boys and girls.
3: I have three boys. Wow. Yeah. Two boys. Okay.
2: Okay, so here's what we. What are
3: your ages? Can I ask? Yeah,
2: my my boys, they they're all they all have birthdays. All of our birthdays are September. Oh. Mine was uh, Wednesday. Riggs was well, last Monday. Yeah, Riggs was last Monday. we got this cake
3: for you, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Shit, go get a cake. <laughs> go, hurry, run.
2: <laughs> uh, and then Ryder, my my youngest, his okay. is next Wednesday. So they're oh, all, okay. my poor wife, Candy, they're all yeah. in like, you know. It's a busy above. month. But um, my oldest is 15 and my youngest is 13. Okay. But here's what the Lord convicted me about. Same thing with us. Because mm-hmm. if we're honest, we, we have the same struggle that everybody else does, yeah. discipling our kids. Yes. Absolutely. In fact, I would say we even have a harder time because my kids will call me out like this. They'll say, I think I heard a pastor say one time we shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> You're
3: like, what pastor was that?
2: <laughs> I don't know. I said, you don't actually think I'm doing what I preach. You know, You've got to stop listening to David Platt. What are you <laughs> <Right>. doing? <laughs> Yeah. Uh no but here's the thing I th- so I would just say find one thing that works and do it. So here's what we did. I got really convicted that I was home but I wasn't present with my mm. boys. And so we started something called Satter Dads. That's mm. what we call it. Satter dads. So every Saturday, I think we might talk about Yeah, it. no, yeah. but I love it. I and love so it. the Satter Dads is every Saturday I take them out. They get to choose where they want. It always we always end up at Waffle House, I mean, which is not healthy, but But here's what's. Why not
3: Cheesecake Factory? Well,
2: (laughs) I don't want to paralyze Kelly. Come on, no. But 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 the thing is, what I've learned about my boys, they will communicate Mm. over a meal. Mm. They will never talk. If I'm hang you know, getting serious with but as we're driving there and driving home and sitting over a meal, they'll talk. And so it's just something that works for us. Yeah.
3: I love that too, because it's it's kind of what we've been talking about with the Deuteronomy six and the way you're going. So it's you're capitalizing on something that already works for your family of, you know, conversations in the car and capitalizing on that. So that's beautiful.
1: There's something about your ministry, your church, you know, you you like you said, you're a product of discipleship. Mm. But and I know you're going to talk about this a lot, which is the, whole, the role of the Holy Spirit as counselor. When we talked, it was so convicting for me because you asked me that question. And I was like, oh, yeah, y'all, it's been a minute. It has been a while since I, I had spent that time with the Holy Spirit. Mm. And since then, one of the things that I think about, particularly for the context of this community, is it is so easy to make discipleship more complicated than it needs to be. It is so easy for us to go, oh, we have to do this. We have to go with a certain program. We have to make sure that discipleship lines up to A, to B, to C. We have to make sure that they have all these questions answered, especially for children's ministry leaders, because you're, not, you're often not resourced. You're often not seen. A lot of things we've already sh- shared. And yet, when we're submitting these things to the Spirit, when we're submitting these things to what God, the fact that God is ultimately doing the discipleship, there's a freedom in that. And I would go, I personally, you can send your angry emails to org if this personally doesn't line up with your theology, but I would go as far as to say is there's a, it makes it less complicated. How have you learned, because it's not a perfect system, but it's a practice. How have you learned to embrace following the Holy Spirit's leading in discipleship, particularly of your boys or those who are, who are following after you?
2: Yeah. You know, that, that's a big. That's a that's a, that's a big topic for me personally because as a Southern Baptist by trade, trained seminary pastor, um, you know I would say for you if I just mention the word Holy Spirit, for some, some get really anxious just just even mentioning His name, uh, and I know for some of my Baptist brothers and sisters who would think I'm probably way far out on the extreme, they get nervous too. But the reality is, I, I've realized by sitting on the porch, I knew more. About Jesus, who was here thirty years, mm. then the Holy Spirit, who's been here, or thirty-three years, then then the Holy Spirit, who's been here for two thousand. Wow. And I had to reintroduce myself to the Holy Spirit, right, like the third person of the Trinity, who's working in and through us. And so I learned a couple of things. For those who this may make you uneasy, number one is the Holy Spirit, for me, is a really good friend. Mm. Number two is he's not weird. <laughs> he's not weird. Okay. Number, number three is he's a way better pastor, preacher, and teacher leader than we will ever be. And I mentioned the fourth one. He's an amazing consultant. Yeah. And so what I had to do is, is learn how to tune my ear. I'm going to talk about this in a moment, how to tune my ear to the accent of the Holy Spirit. See, God's always speaking. Yes, he speaks through his word. We get that. But God speaks outside of his word. He speaks with leadings and promptings and checks in your spirit and emotions. And obviously you need to funnel all that through the through the word. But the question I would ask you is, if the Lord's always speaking, are you listening? And you got to do that by making time, extending effort. So what I did is I had to create a sacred space through, watch this, a specific time and place meeting with God. And that's the way you think of it. So you have to have a specific time and place to create a space, sacred space. And there's nothing sacred about the space, but meaning it's, it's a space of time. Historically, uh, with the Jewish people, remember, the Sabbath wasn't so much a date on the calendar. If you study the Jewish culture, it was a space and time. And God was speaking to a group of people who just came out of Egypt who were working seven days a week, they never took off. They looked at at time off as laziness, a, as being weak. And now God says, no, I'm going to make you not work. Why? Because I want you to be mindful mm-hmm. of me. And I think if we just take that one little piece, and you may say, well, I can't give a whole day to God. Well, start with an hour. Start with a half a day. Start with, you know, 10 minutes to be with the Lord. Yeah.
3: That's so incred- incredibly important, too, as, as ministry workers, where we're, work- and, and Matt shared this earlier, right? All the things, the to do list, all the things that we're constantly doing. And, we've been talking about this throughout the last couple of days of the importance of filling our cup first. And like you're saying, I think that's so important for all of us that we have that time that we are getting filled up with the spirit that we are taking that Sabbath, that time and place um, in order to teach that to kids. So
1: you both are serving in, you both have vast experiences serving in church leadership. And one of the things I'm curious about, you articulated this before of you have to carry this mantle of, you know, your boys make a of you, of like, I heard a pastor say once, right? And that's a tension that those who are with us carry a lot, right? This sort of like this burden. But what I'm curious about is we're not always going to get that right. Yeah. And what I love about that that sacred space is it allows you to reorient yourself mm-hmm. when you haven't, when you've lost uh, that frequency. I'm stretching that metaphor pretty thin. But when you've lost that frequency of the Holy Spirit, it allows you to you know exactly where you're going off, hopefully a physical location, right? Even if it's not a sacred space. And it it allows you to minimize the time between uh, when you are trying to do this on your own strength and when you are allowing yourself to be led by what God is ultimately directing you in. I would imagine, Kelly, to start with you, I would imagine it is increasingly harder now than even when you started in children's ministry. Mm -hmm. You know, we've gotten increasingly busier what does it look like to reorient yourself towards some of that sacred space that Robbie's talking about?
3: Yeah, I mean, it is. I, it, well, and also it's just season of life. I and when mean, we are talking about kids, I got three three boys too. Mine are 14, oh, t- 14, 12, and nine. 12. So, right yeah, right yep. in the thick of it with you. Uh, but, yeah, I think I think it's, in, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. And even if you don't have kids, um, you know, Our lives are busy, our schedules are busy, our to-do lists are busy. I think one of the things that is helpful for me and one of the practices that I don't always get right, uh, but I'm working on it continually is having it calendared and sticking to it. Because I think if it's not in the calendar, if it's not something that you put on there, it's easy for that to get filled in with other things. So I think for me, that would be what I would say. What about you?
2: Yeah, I would say two things, time and transparency, like you're talking about. It's an interesting idea if you think about it, but the word present, because like I mentioned earlier, I was there, but I wasn't present. Yeah. yeah. Right? And, and, and we struggle with that. And I think if, mm. if ministers could teach their parents just this one insight, just be, when you're present, be present. Now think about the word present. It means to be present, but it also means a gift. Mm. And for me, I know, especially the season my boys are in, the greatest gift I can give them is not in possession but it's in time.
1: Mm. I mean,
2: that's how kids. That's how that's how our kids spell love. T I M E. Yeah. That's how they spell love when we're with them. Uh, but I would also say transparency and owning up when you mess up. Um, I've been studying about the garden and preparing for a men's conference that I'm speaking at our church this Sunday, and I just was realizing that the biggest problem for Adam in the garden was that he didn't take responsibility mm-hmm. for messing up. Yeah, like he blamed the woman, but he really was blaming God. You know. Sure. But, but the reality was, think about it. The, the language of the Hebrew gives us this idea that implies Adam is standing there when Eve is being tempted by Satan. Mm-hmm. And if you think of the garden, this is a cool thing. Think of the garden as Adam's home. Mm-hmm. God gave him a home to care for, a home to cultivate. Mm-hmm. And here's a man, you ready for this, who is present by Eve, but passive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mind blowing. Think about this. Pastor, <laughs> here's a man. I mean, listen. When, it, I mean, you're
3: just. You're, I think Ross is laughing because you're just such a pastor with the way that you've got the things rhyming. It's perfect. Well, yeah, I, no, you it's, do it without yeah, even. I alliterate the grocery list. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> amazing.
2: It's amazing. We It's a yeah. skill. It's a no. skill. It's a skill. But keep
3: going. Great content. But, but the We're listening.
2: point is, okay. Think about it. I don't know if you like snakes, but I don't. No. Sure. But what do you do with a poisonous serpent that makes its way in your home? Mm. You don't entertain it. You know, you exterminate it, you know, you exterminate, you, you remove it from the home. And I think, I mean, I'll speak to the dads and even the moms right now. What are you allowing in the home Mm. to affect your kids? Mm. The music, the videos, the YouTube, the computer. Mm. My son recently, I I know we're going off topic, but I preached a sermon recently and talked about John the Baptist and the wrath. And he said, this is an interesting line. Who warns you of the wrath to come? He says, basically what he's saying is, I don't know if the guys in Jerusalem did, but I'm going to be on the one to warn you. There is the wrath of God coming. And if nobody tells you your blood's not on my hands. So I said this line in passing, well, my son comes to me on the, on the side and he says, Hey dad, I, I have to get rid of my computer. Oh. Wow. Now, he's a gamer. He, 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 You know, Everybody's a gamer. Everybody's got a yeah. YouTube channel, so he's got all that. And he said, this computer has been leading me far from God into sin, and so I want to get rid of it. And I was like, okay. So he says, I want to destroy it. And I said, okay, well, let me finish. We were baptizing some people. I said, let me finish. We'll talk about it when we get home. So right when I get home, he's waiting. Listen to this. He's waiting on the, uh, on the edge of the couch when I get in, and he's like, hey, Dad, I'm ready. He said, I'm going to get rid of the computer. I'm going to burn it. Wow. Now this is a gaming computer. If anybody knows, this is not a cheap computer. Sure. So I say to him, can we, can we give it to somebody? Let's just give it to like somebody at the church. He's like, Nope. I want, he said, if we can't burn it, he said, I want to beat it with a baseball bat. Wow. And I was like, okay. And so I was like, are you sure? And then I thought, you know what? The Bible says, if your hand caused you to sin, cut it off. Mm. And I thought, thank God for radical obedience. So Uh, I said, let me finish eating lunch first, and we'll go do that. And so we go outside, and we didn't have a baseball bat. He's like, Dad, do you have a golf club? I was like, you're not ruining my golf club. So So, so you ready for this? He finds a pin, pin, an old bowling pin. I don't even know where he found this. And he goes outside and he beats this thing into submission. Wow. And it's gone. And again, he comes inside and he hugs me and he said, I needed to do that. And I just told him, I said, you know what? You know, I'm proud of you, son, because here's why I'm proud of you. Mm -hmm. You heard the voice of God at 14 Mm -hmm. and you responded to it. Mm -hmm. And it's radical. Wow! But then my wife reminded me. You're pretty radical, too. So I'm like, I don't know what you learned. But the point is, I was thankful as a, as a boy, as a young man, he's listening to the voice of God. So teaching your kids to cultivate an ear to hear from God. And as a man and a woman in a home, we're responsible to care for the house. Adam Adam won at work. He lost that home with his wife. Think about it. The garden was pristine. Wow. The, the, the flowers were growing. The, the animals were prospering. The fruit was, you know, blossoming. And yet when Eve was being tempted, so I would just challenge you, if you're a parent, what is entering your home, we're going to be held responsible.
3: I think it's great that you, you you're talking about that transparency. And I think that is something that will stick with your kids. The fact that you are, you know, when they hold you accountable to things, right? I heard a pastor say this. I think it shows that we're on the discipleship journey with them. And that discipleship is something that is a continual lifelong thing. So that's that's so encouraging. Yeah,
2: the great, I didn't mention it, but the greatest thing you can do mm. is say, I'm sorry.
3: Mm.
2: My kids, hey, and no pushbackers are okay. No, Dad, it's no big deal. And you need to look them in the eye. And this is what I say What I said to you hurt you, mm. and it hurts me. Yeah. I'm sorry. Mm. And I'm just telling, just, just that vulnerability and transparency with our kids.
1: It makes the world a difference because it, it allows our kids to know that there's, there's a pathway that they can talk to us
2: yeah yeah that's good
1: and that they're that they don't have to turn to a video that they don't have to turn to the things that we have let into our homes that they can turn to us instead. you know when I think about everything that's been shared, everything that Robbie and that the rest of the forum is going to bring us today that there is a higher calling one of the things that you know i've young I' have younger kids than both of you, and the thing that's terrifies me genuinely terrifies me is how easy it will be for my kids the generation of my kids, I should say, to believe that they have life to the full. Mm. That lie will become increasingly easier. John 1010 will become increasingly harder to grasp the true meaning of it. Mm -hmm. And yet, everything we've articulated so far, everything that you've heard over the past couple of days is what John 1010 is actually about. Mm -hmm. And what I hope you understand, dear, dear, dear person who's with us, is that this hard work is worth it. And that no matter what your current challenge is in front of you, it doesn't mean that pressing forward into it, um, that God's still that God's still going to be with you. Um,
3: I think if I could say one thing too, I what I see in you, Ross, and what I see in you, Pastor, is your, your testimonies of those loving, caring adults who have invested in you and how important that is and how important our job is as leaders to invest and be those loving, caring adults. So
2: And discipleship is the only thing Jesus authorized us to do. I love this. All authority, nothing else in the Bible, and it's not discounting anything else. And the cool thing is it's the one thing he said, I'll be with you when you do it. And if that's not a place to end it, I don't know what it is. Guys, we're going to be back one more time.
1: The Child Discipleship Podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith, young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org. donate Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation, as well as information about other podcasts from Awana. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.